Hello, I'm experimenting with being a little bit closer to the camera because I've had a couple of people tell me that the, the sound is a bit off or not off but just a bit low <clears throat> so hopefully this has got better sound um, I, I don't know really what I'm going to be talking about today just random couple of thoughts um, an amusing one is that um, the, the haters and the gammas have uh, suddenly I've had a sudden influx of them because <laughs> um, I made a video about IQ and intelligence and I mentioned uh, Vox Day and I mentioned Owen Benjamin on it and uh, um, you know I, I don't think I can take much credit for the uh, for the, the haters because I think they're just guys who didn't get much joy trying to troll Vox and Owen and so they've come here trying to troll me and they're gonna get even less joy than I, with me because um, you know, Owen is is pretty f bans people from his channel pretty f freely. Um, Vox even more so, and I'm like, you guys have no idea. I make like Torquemada look like a little pussy. So, just from the get go, I always had a policy that uh, you know, idiots that come here to just try and troll and whatever. I'm just gonna ban them without. I'm not even gonna engage. Um, you know, I've got a tiny channel compared to those guys or whatever. So it's I don't I don't care and. The, the thing is, um, if you look at the, the, the comments, there are a couple of commenters that have, you know, got back and forth with a little bit, either because they've maybe made a relevant comment or an intelligent comment or they've asked a question that is, that I, you know, I want to address. And in some cases, there's a couple of weird little gammas or, or freakazoids that like, you know, want to spurge out on some thing. Um, and I, I use those as like teaching moments more than anything else because, um, you know, like Vox's uh, sociosexual hierarchy of, of people is more useful for the average person. I, I had my own, uh, you know, long before I came across Vox, I came up with my own version of the sociosexual hierarchy of, of men, but mine was very simplified because, um, you know, there's a reason that I'm known as the Kurgan. I, I didn't come up with that name, just like Vox didn't come up with the Supreme Dark Lord name. You know, we're kind of like Red Indian tribe type people. You know, the tribe has to name you for you to actually have a name. And um, I was named the Kurgan by uh, some of the people that hang around Vox's blog, the, the, the Dread Ilk. And the reason I was called the Kurgan is because they thought I was kind of a merciless, hardcore, really kind of you know in your face guy and the dread ilk are pretty well known to be in your face as a general rule so you know for for somebody to to come to my channel thinking that they're gonna somehow get under my skin by trolling it's just it's uh it's really amusing to me <laughs> it's just funny so um you know, like I said, the, the social sexual hierarchy that Vox came up with is a lot more detailed and, and is useful. You know, it's useful. I didn't think so at first. You know, when I first heard he had a social sexual, I just thought, ah, it's like pickup artist nonsense, you know. And uh, most, I've, I've done a video on pickup artist nonsense. So if you want to know my thoughts on that, you can look at that video. But the thing is, once I, I got to know Vox a little bit more and uh, I read his blog more and, you know, I got to know the guy with like friends. Um, I, uh, it, it, it's not just a pickup artist thing. His social sexual hierarchy of, of, of how men work is, is very useful in that it, it gives you an idea of how uh, men operate and how they think and the, the generic patterns that they have in life. Um, you know, I grew up in a pretty savage sort of environment. I'm a pretty much of a savage type of person. I'm pretty direct and, and simple in, in many ways. And my own version of the social sexual hierarchy was uh, very simplified. It was this alphas, this betas, and the scouts. And I think scout in my thing is what translates as sigma in his thing. I didn't bother with all the subcategories of beta. I knew that there were many different categories in there, but I, I couldn't be asked to think about them because as far as I'm concerned, the betas are just betas. You know, some of them might be useful for something. They might have a skill. Generally, that's what a beta is. You know, he's, he's a guy who has some useful skill, can be a, a good, you know, um, follower, can be a good uh, number two kind of guy, you know. But um, he's not the leader. 
you know, an alphas, real alphas and real leaders, it's, it's a pain in the ass job. It's not anything I care or want. Um, you know, my, my um, psychology tends to be more about exploration, discovery, learning, the, finding out the truth, justice, uh, implementing justice and being uh, fair, you know, it's, um, and just doing kind of what I want to do, how I want to do it, whenever I want to do it sort of thing, and to be free to explore the things that interest me and ignore the things that don't interest me. Um, which is slightly different from being, you know, an alpha kind of guy has to lead a group, has to lead a pack. He has to kind of be the, the leader and that comes with responsibility and so on and so forth. I'm not averse to responsibility. It doesn't scare me, uh, but I want the responsibility that I choose to have as my responsibility. I don't want some random responsibilities thrust upon me that I care nothing about. Um, and, you know, we all have some of those in life, right? But um, I want to minimize those as much as possible. So, the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the thing about gammas and why I sometimes respond to certain, you can see that they're like, want to be a smart boy kind of in the comments. It's a teaching moment because I think a lot of, uh, young guys that haven't had good fathers, that haven't had the opportunity to live in the forest. You know, if you grow up in the bush or on a farm, reality impacts on you on a daily basis. So you can't really avoid it. Uh, is that something on the screen or is that? Oh no, it's all right. It's on the map. Um, you can't really avoid reality if you grow up in a in a natural environment. You know whether it's the bush, whether it's the savanna, whether it's uh, you know a farm. If you're just a, a farmer, you know you you've got to do certain things every day. You've got to take notice of certain things every day. Um, so you can't really walk around, you know, pretending Bruce Jenner is the best woman in the world and whatever nonsense because you have to deal with farm animals or you have to go hunt for your food or you know. Um, unfortunately, most uh, young men nowadays don't get that opportunity. They're raised in cities where everything is sort of sterilized or filthy in another weird, different, unnatural way. Um, you know, if you live in San Francisco, people are shitting in the streets, you know. Um, that's not natural, you know. If um, I've, I've met some of the last original true free Khoi San, you know, Bushmen, in the Kalahari Desert, um, we used to like go out there and camp and like spend some time with one of their guys and some one of their guys would like track for us um, in, when we went hunting. And um, you know they they don't do that. They they don't shit in the place where they where they live and walk and eat and and you know they go to village and they have their place where they go and take a dump and it, you know it's far from the village and so on. So the thing is, if you don't know, if you've, if you've never had the opportunity to, to, you know, be what naturally a man is supposed to be, it's hard. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you, you, you're trying to find out and you're asking questions and you're getting anxious about it and, and you don't know how to get a girlfriend. You don't know how to, you know, become successful in life. You, you don't even really know what success is. You don't even really know yourself enough to know what you want, what you don't want, what matters, what doesn't matter. So it's, um, it's difficult, you know, it's, I understand that it's not always easy. So sometimes when these sort of gamma slash beta slash whatever they are, come and ask a question, it doesn't mean, you know, you can ask a question. I don't care if it's a stupid question, I'll tell you it's a stupid question. And if you get butt hurt by that, tough, I'm still going to sleep at night, you know. Um, the thing is, it's not about, um, you know, you're not going to get to me by trolling me or whatever. I don't, it just, honestly, I've had people try and kill me. You know, I've had people come to my house with guns to try and wipe me out. You honestly think that a fucking comment on the internet is, is going to get my back up? I don't give a shit. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. You know, it's entertaining for myself sometimes, but I don't have a lot of time, spare time. So even the entertainment factor is a little bit low. So, I mean, you, you know, I, it's just 
ridiculous to me, but uh, still funny sometimes. And occasionally there's opportunity to to respond to some of these people in a way that might help somebody else or or even them, you know, might help them. Like I had one guy ask a couple of questions about uh, some catechism that was the, uh, I forgot the name of it, but whatever, it was the standard catechism for the United States, uh, apparently published in 1891 or something like that, and asking my opinion on that. I don't know. I never read it. You know, uh, as far as catechism of the Catholic Church goes, you know, all I'm saying is make sure it's something that was printed before 1958 and not changed after that, because there are some that were printed before 1958 and then got updated. Yeah, don't, don't go for those, you know, get the original imprints or, or the original text that hasn't been messed with from before 1958. If you're interested in Catholic catechism, that's all I'm saying. Then, you know, do your own research. You, you got to do your own work. You know, I can't do everything for you and neither can everybody else. You know, you got to do your own stuff. And it's the same with anything I say, you know, the, um, the haters that, uh, what, what happened? Uh, let me just recap. So what happened on, on, um, Vox's live stream on Saturday, uh, two days ago, uh, yeah, which is, he, he has a stupid question day Saturday, apparently sometimes. And somebody in there asked him, somebody called the Krugen, so they got the name wrong, you know, and said, said he's much smarter than you with 155 IQ and that he knows you very well. And, and you know, Vox, what you need to understand about Vox is that he's been attacked and vilified and lied about online for like 15 years straight, if not more than that, you know. I mean, that he knows these things coming and he just sort of smiled and said, well, one, the Kurgan, first of all, it's the Kurgan. Second, it's, um, he knows that 155 IQ is not that much smarter than 150 IQ. And yeah, he's a legit guy. And that's it, you know, it just, it's, but um, it's funny to me that somebody would take one of the videos where I specifically mentioned that I think that Fox and I have about the same IQ. I don't know exactly what his was. Apparently it is 150. I, I didn't, I, you know, I'd never like got to the lab. I don't care. And the thing is, between a 150 and 155 IQ, there's nothing in it. Really, it could be margin of error. Um, I've taken two official IQ tests when I was in my um, late 20s. And I scored 157 and 152. So on average, I'm saying 155. Now, the 157, it's interesting because I took that one first and I was totally relaxed. I was just doing it for fun. And when I got a score of 157, I went to look up what that meant. You know, that it's about one in less than one in 10,000. I thought, that can't be, I'm not that smart, you know, I'm not that much different from everybody else, which is a common mistake, by the way, with people that have high IQs. They, they don't particularly think they're special necessarily. Um, so I, did, I, I went to do another official test. As a, I can't remember which one it was. I don't remember the name. You know, that's how much I care about this stuff. But I did another one um, where I thought, okay, I made sure it was an official, real, proper test. You know, it wasn't some weird, fancy, crappy online thing. But anyway, back then, even the online tests were a bit more um, honest than they are now, I think. I don't know. It's not something I looked into. But anyway, the first one was, was an official IQ test and I did it. And, I, um, you know, the second one I made sure was a legit organization. It wasn't Mensa. I can't remember who it was, but it, I know I know it wasn't Mensa because I'd come across Mensa people before and I kind of thought they were all kind of weird and a bit freaky. So I, it was a big, I, I honestly can't remember. Anyway, I paid my money, I, I did the test and I thought, you know, I'm going to try and do really well in this one. And I scored 152 on that one because, you know, the way I see it, if you do something, and, and this has happened to me a lot in life, whether it's a, with a video game or whether it's a sport, whether it's a new, you know, technique in, in punching or whatever. The first time when I'm just trying it out, I usually do better than when I'm concentrating and trying to do well because, you know, a little bit of tension always makes you perform less well, generally speaking. But, you know, five IQ points on an IQ test, that can be a margin of error. That's like a 3% error on 150 IQ. So, you know, the thing with Vox is, I, I don't, I don't know, you might have a higher IQ, a lower IQ, we're about the same, in the same ballpark. What I did specifically say is that his IQ, as far as strategic thinking is, is higher than mine. It's better than mine. He's better than I am at strategic thinking. And I said that on the video. And yet here you get some little, you know, 
lets you and him fight, mean girls type of guy. Oh, he said he's got a higher IQ than you, you know? It's just like, it's, what the fuck? It's like, what do people that do that, what, what have they got to do with their life? I mean, how successful can their life be if that's how they want to spend their time? It's just, it's, it's funny to me. It's actually entertaining. But um, yeah, anyway, so that's that. And then I've got another guy that, uh, you know, like I said, I, I just ban these people immediately. As soon as I see that sort of shit, I just ban you. That's it. None of your comments are ever going to be on my channel. You're not going to be responded to it. I don't care. Um, there's another guy that was hammering on about how Owen is a stupid guy and Owen doesn't even have a normal IQ. And, you know, it's like, you know, the, the th two things. One thing is these people in real life, face to face, would never, ever voice their opinions in that manner. Not once. Not once. I can tell you this with some confidence because I've had the opportunity to meet people that do this sort of thing online and then face to face and go, hey, it's me. What did you say? And all of a sudden they become very apologetic, very scared, very meek, very, you know. These are, you know, Vox came up with the, this, the, the, the name for the Gamma guys as secret kings. And it's absolutely true. These are the guys that sit there in their own mind. They're, they're the secret king. They're the, you know, they're the Harry Potter of the situation. And when the world knows and finds out that really I am so smart, they will suddenly love me. No, you're just a fucking idiot fantasizing, mentally masturbating yourself. No one cares. And you're not that smart. Um, but it's absolutely the case, you know. So first of all, that, that's the one thing, you know. These guys are never like a face-to-face -face thing. Second, it's an absolute mental masturbation. It's a complete waste of time, these people, you know. They're not, they're not relevant, you know. They, they haven't achieved anything in life. They're not going to achieve anything in life. They're, they're just sitting around trying to get a rise out of people because their own life is very often so unpleasant. Which comes to, again, the original point, which is why sometimes I do answer these guys just either to entertain myself or a teaching moment for others reading or for them, you know, even. Because, <clears throat> you know, we, we're all fallen, we're all mistaken, we're all got errors, but um, some of these irritating little gamma guys they're so full of hate and envy and, and jealousy because they, they haven't achieved anything. They're not going to achieve anything. They probably don't have a girlfriend. They probably can't get a girlfriend. They haven't got a clue of how to get a girlfriend. They, they would probably be too, you know, worn out. They're too socially inept to probably even have the wherewithal to hire a prostitute and have some sex that would, you know, might just blow off enough steam that they might start to think right once or twice, you know, not that I'm advocating prostitution or anything. I'm just saying these guys are so beyond help in many ways that uh, the best thing for them would be to be dropped in a, in a, in a combat zone, you know, because then you either die or you get off your ass and you do stuff, which brings me back to the original point of, you know, young men nowadays don't go out in the bush, they don't, they don't live on a farm, they don't know, you know, they don't even know that tuna is a fish that gets fished out of the sea, they just think it grows on trees in, in a can, you know, it's, it's sad. So, um, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that, I've had a few people request that, and I've had a couple of emails, and I've had some friends mention it, and whatever, but I don't know, like, uh, you know, I don't particularly see myself as any kind of, uh, leader in anything. I don't particularly want to lead anybody into anywhere, anything, but, um, you know, sometimes you have to do stuff just because the, the way the world is going, you have to say something, you have to do something. So if people are interested in, uh, I don't know, perhaps a little series, um, on, on what's important in life, you know, let me know, comment. I, I, I do read the comments while they're still manageable. Um, let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll see about doing that. You know, I, um, funnily enough, I, uh, I just told my wife, look, I'm just going to go do a quick video. And, uh, and so I don't know really what I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to talk off the top of my head. I'll just mention the haters because that's funny. 
And uh, she said, well, why don't you do one on finding the perfect wife? You know, which is, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very female, right? It's always about them and it's always subjective. But, uh, you know, it, that's probably an interesting uh, series or something to do, how to find a perfect wife, you know. And uh, the first thing I'd say to that is there's no such thing as perfect. If you're alive on this planet or pretty much on any other planet, I'm fairly sure, Perfect doesn't exist. Somebody that says, I'm a perfectionist, you know, what I hear is I'm a fucking idiot. Because a perfectionist, you know, if you're using it in a hyperbolic way, okay, fair enough, you know, but if uh, there's no such thing as perfection, if you're an engineer, you know this, okay, engineering is real science. Um, the so-called science, you know, I fucking love science, those idiots, they haven't got a clue about what science is, about what tolerance are, what margin for error is, about what safety uh, margins are and so on. Reality on our planet, in our reality, is not perfect. There is no perfection. So step number one, forget about finding the perfect wife. There might be what you call perfect for you that can exist. And remember that you are not perfect. So she can't be perfect right? It might be just right for you. It might work out really well for you. That That's achievable. The second thing I'll tell you is uh, what I mentioned in the uh, pickup artist nonsense video. What number are you? You know, there's all these guys going around saying, I want to marry a 10 or what number are you? What number are you? And the first thing that comes up when you start to think about it, what number am I? Is, well, I can't just be reduced to one number. I mean, I'm, I'm a 10 in this and I'm a three in that. Yeah, that's right. So start to understand a woman too, you know, I mean, everybody's done it. You know, I've done it, you know, with my friends or whatever joke, oh, there's a 10, there's a nine, there's whatever. It's, uh, you know, it's just a stupid sort of game, but a person is not reduced down to a number. I mean, you can, you can try, it's very reductive and it's not very intelligent and it's not a way to find a life partner. Um, and again, keep in mind, you know, if your primary, uh, if the thing that's most important to you in a wife is her looks, good God, man. I, I can tell you from personal experience, that's, that's a very bad metric. Now, I am... To, to some extent, I am one of those guys because, you know, I can't really get very interested. I never could get very interested in a woman unless she was really pretty to me. You know, like I, I that's another thing. You know, what's a 10 to me might not be a 10 to a, to a friend of mine. And there are objective women, there are standards for beauty, you know, but um, I mean, objectively, my wife is very pretty. Uh, she always had a lot of attention and you know my long-term girlfriends have always been very pretty well both my ex-wives were very pretty um, so that you know I think that's sort of natural for a man you know because we are attracted to beauty and that sort of thing but let me tell you that I've been with some very pretty women that are absolutely nuts you know crazy like you can't possibly have a relationship with them because they're just broken um, there are also some very beautiful girls that are absolutely boring as hell. They just haven't got an original thought in their head. Now, what number are you is a very important question. You should, you should ask yourself that. What number are you? Because, and you'll find out that, you know, you've got different numbers and different things. I mean, there's, a, there's more than one thing on, you know, one skill or one ability that that I am, objectively speaking, a 10 on the planet because there's only so many people that do those type of things. There's only so many people that have this skill at that level. And I'm one of them, uh, you know, and it's in more than one thing. I, I've, um, the, the training that I've done for all of my life since I was a little kid, you know, I've been doing martial arts since I was a little kid. So my understanding of martial arts is high. It's very high. You know, it's higher than most professional teachers of martial arts. Um, and that's not bragging. I'm just saying, you know, I have that ability. It's not something I've ever bragged about. I've had a gym, I've taught a gym. I've, you know, I don't teach anymore now. It's uh, too much work, a new baby, you know, all sorts of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I move around a lot for work and stuff. I'm 
I do consulting and stuff. So I don't really have the time. My my time is very limited. I'm trying to write. I'm trying to do other things. So don't have a lot of spare time for the training. I'm also 50 years old, so it would be more about teaching, which has never interested me as much as training myself. I have taught, um, but you know. And then there's hypnosis. I've um, you know I've met, trained with, trained by, and um, read like the works of the the best hypnotists on the planet at the level and for a number a duration that is you know very unlikely to have been matched by many people on the planet. And I met and worked with some of the top hypnotists um, in the world. And unfortunately, most hypnotists are not that good. That's just a fact. And you know, the thing is, again, I have a skill there that is it's not something I use in my everyday life. You know, it's not, but, but it's there. You know, again, I don't really talk about it. I've authored a number of books. Some of my books have made, you know, a decent amount of money over the time that they've been around. <clears throat> and you can have objective measures of that sort of thing. You can see how much a book has earned over time. And, you know, one of my books, The Systema Book, has done very well over the period. You know, and it's trailed off because it's now a few, seven, seven or eight years old now. Still all valid. The information is, hasn't changed. The information is still as relevant today as it was then. But, you know, people are, uh, they get excited by new things and they want the next new thing. And that's just human nature. But um, some of my books... You know, like the face on Mars has been around for 23 years, unrefuted, um, plagiarized. Again, I don't make a big deal about that sort of stuff. So there are some things that I'm, I'm objectively a lot better than average in. And then there are other things that I you know, couldn't care less about. So, you know, I'm not interested at all in uh, sort of uh, the... Um, the social politics of the mean girls type of stuff, for example, doesn't interest me other than to poke fun at it. I uh, I don't watch the news. I don't read newspapers. Um, I read blogs and stuff, and that's sort of how I keep up with what's going on around me. But, you know, if World War Three broke out, I'd probably know about it when I see the mushroom cloud. So, what number are you? Um, I know it's... It seems like I'm trading off, but there is a sort of a pattern here. So I talked about the haters, done with that. Talked about the, the IQ differences between me and Vox, very important. Talked about that. And now I'm just mentioning a couple of things about, you know, if you are of that gamma persuasion, if you are the kind of guy that gets, uh, that feels he has to comment and make a little nasty little comment and sort of try and correct you about this or that other little detail. You know, and there's some guys that just have got Asperger's. Like there's a, there's a guy who made comments about the, the fact that I mentioned there's a one standard deviation between the average African and the average European. And there's usually about another standard deviation between the average um, European and the average Oriental. And actually I had that book somewhere. I don't know if it's in here. Anyway, there's a book that I, I think mentions that. Oh, there we go. And, uh, you know, I read this some years ago, so th that's that's the book that, there you go, if you want. Now, this guy, and you can tell, you know, if you research the, the, the guy that's on the cover, I don't know if his photograph comes up. Um, so this, uh, let me just see, the, so Frank Miele is the guy who wrote the book, but the, uh, the, the guy the book's about is Arthur Jensen. And, you know, he was accused of being racist and all sorts. And he wasn't. You know, he's not racist. He's just doing science. And, the, and the, the results that came out is what came out. Now, the guy that was doing the comments was saying, oh, but I've never come across a 15 IQ point difference between Orientals and Caucasians and whatever. You know, that's a detail. The point is, is it whether it's 15 points or 9 or, you know, whatever. It's like there is on the curve, there is a very clear approximate one standard deviation in, in the general terms between the average Caucasians and the average Orientals. But then again, you know, if you want to become specific on the details of it, I understand that. I understand sometimes specific, specificity is good, but 
you know, um, I don't know, for, for example, the average IQ, I think, of Poland is like 99 or something like that. There are areas, there are different countries that have got different IQ numbers, like Italy has got slightly higher IQ than, than most countries, most European countries. And I think, I can't remember if it's Slovenia or whatever, there are some that have slightly lower IQ. And then, you know, if you compare it with, say, Japan, again, you know, these are people that are getting hung up on little tiny details that are not hugely important. But I have lived in Africa in various countries for 25 years. I've visited Japan for a few weeks and I've got friends that live there. And there's no doubt okay, that the, the average Japanese is uh, got a higher IQ than the average European. There's no doubt in my mind. It's, it's quite clear and quite obvious if you're out there. Um, so what? You know, the, the only reason I mentioned that is because people will accuse you of racism if you say that there is an IQ difference between the average Caucasian and the average um, African. But it's, it's a fact. It's not racist. It's just what it is. Now, I've got friends that are, um, you know, what I suppose in American you would call mixed race and in South African terms are called colored. A very good friend of mine. He's uh, a mixed race guy. He's definitely smarter than average. Um, his IQ is probably well, close to mine. Um, in some things, his IQ is probably higher than mine. You know, he he was better than I was with computer software, that sort of thing, programming, that sort of stuff. And it never really interested me very much. And it, I find it a bit boring, but he was good at that, you know. So are there outliers? You bet. There's always the outliers, you know. But in general terms, you know, your your genetics determine your IQ to a, to a massive level. And that's pretty much where it's at, you know. So don't get upset about it. Don't lose your shit on the details. You know, that's look at a big picture. Try and try and operate on big picture stuff. And uh, again, this does tie in what I was saying, like, OK, you know, there's a lot of younger guys that don't have haven't had the opportunity or luck or direction either from their parents from their fathers or from circumstance but let me tell you if you live in you know a war zone you're gonna have to you're gonna be uh you're gonna grow up very quickly if you're 12 years old and you're in a war zone you either die or you wake the fuck up to reality you know you start to understand how to dodge bullets by not being in the place where the bullets are in the first place. You know, you start to understand how to survive by being very observant about reality and ignoring your feelings because, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't like the fact that you can't cross the street in that particular patch of road because there's a sniper that shoots everybody that tries it. It doesn't matter if you don't like it because if you do that, you're going to die. And, you know, when the stakes are that high, your opinion, your your crappy bullshit ideas and your feelings really don't make any difference. And it's the same growing up wild, you know. If you go in the bush unprepared for poisonous snakes or unprepared for, you know, dangerous animals, there's a good chance you're going to get bitten by a snake and die. There's a good chance that something will eat you. So that's what I'm saying, you know, face the reality. Ignore your feelings. Your feelings are not that important. They're only important to you and you're not that important. You know, start from there. Especially if you're a gamma secret king that thinks you deserve more and people just don't see your genius. Shut the fuck up. Start observing and start thinking about other people because that's what happens. A lot of this inversion and, you know, it happens from, you know, it's, it's, and it's intentional to a certain extent. It happens from technology. You know, you, you, who reads a book now? Who reads a 500-page book? I mean, I read Shogun, which is like a, you know, one of those James Clavell novels that's like, you know, a thousand pages or whatever. It's, it's like a Bible. You know, it's a thick thing. I read that when I was 12. I read Lord of the Rings when I was 12. I enjoyed it much later when I reread it many years later. But I read those books. You know, I couldn't appreciate the, uh, the art in uh, Tolkien's work, in, in J.R. Tolkien's work of the Lord of the Rings when I was 12. I didn't appreciate it as much. I appreciated it much, much more later. But, 
you know, Shogun, I, I, I liked, uh, and I knew quite a lot about because of, you know, growing up with the half Japanese mentality that my father took on from training with, with his, um, karate instructors. And it's, uh, that's the thing, you know, your attention span has been intentionally whittled down to like three emojis to send a message. So you become internalized. It's all about you and your feelings and your emotions. And you stop looking at the world. You stop being curious like a child. You stop looking at, you know, what is that? That's an ant. What, where does the ant go? Let me just follow the ant. I mean, as a little kid, I used to spend hours in the garden just looking at insects and figuring out what the ants are doing, you know? That's something that's important. It's important for a little kid to be able to do that, you know, and we don't know. So you become internally self-conscious and internally self-aware, hyper-aware, and you become oblivious to the outside world. I mean, most people like cross the road looking at their phone and go to the, you know, sitting, go to work, like listening to something on the radio while they're like texting their friend and trying to drive. And, you know, your attention span is, is nil who looks up at the sky and starts to think, what is that? You know, what's a star? You know, that, that's what little kids naturally do. If you live in a place where they can see the stars at night and you are outside regularly, they're going to ask you, what is that, dad? What is that? It's a star. What's a star? How does it work? It's like the sun, but it's further away. You know, a lot of kids haven't had that. A lot of kids haven't even had their dad play catch with them, you know? So, that happens, you know, it, it destroys people, it become, makes them super self-aware. They spend their all their time, you know, watching YouTube videos and making comments and, um, and that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> so get out there, do some stuff, meet some people, join a, you know, martial arts class is good for you. If you're a man, if you're a boy, go, go join a martial arts class. Yeah, you'll get injuries, yeah, you'll get hurt. And so what? You'll, you know, that happens. But you'll, you'll learn to take a punch. Hopefully you'll learn to give a punch too. And you know, sometimes taking a punch is more important than giving a punch. Learning how to take a punch and still getting up again and, and carrying on. Mentally being, you know, having gone through that enough that you're like, yeah, I know I'm going to get hurt here. I ain't scared. I'm going to go in. You know, that, that's a very useful mindset to have if one day you have to protect your family, you have to protect your child, you have to protect your wife or a good friend of yours or just some random innocent person that's being attacked in the street and you're there. You know, the ability to be a man, the ability to sort of say, you know, I, I don't know these people, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to fuck the guy up because he's got a gun and he's shooting people. You know, I'm going to run towards him. Um, it's an interesting, you know, if you've ever been in that sort of situation, and I have a couple of times. It's uh, it's very satisfying afterwards. Okay, in the moment, uh, it's not fun. It's not great, <laughs> but afterwards, it's a very satisfying sensation to know that you reacted in the right way or that you were going in the right direction. So, I uh, I had an experience when I was about seven, that six or seven, that. Uh, you know, I, it affected me a lot, which was, and it was a silly thing, you know, it was both my brother and I, he was about, I think, four, and I was about six or something like that. He was five and I was seven, around that age. And we were playing in my grandma's garden, and um, we were on our little bicycles or tricycles or whatever it was. And uh, she used to have this big gate that you had to put your hand in to lift the latch to open. And we were just playing around, and then we saw the like, gate moving, and we saw this, like, scarred, like, you know, sort of all burnt hand, reach in and try to go for the latch. And we both froze, you know, we, we couldn't move. We we're like terrified of this monstrous hand, like literally, a, you know, like a completely burnt, scarred hand, like reaching for the latch and missing the latch. And we were so like scared, we couldn't move. And then the latch lifted up and the door started to get pushed open. And we we're like, uh, you know, completely blocked. And who, who was it? It was my grandma. It was my grandma, but she had on these pink um, gloves, you know, like like washing dishes gloves from when ladies wash dishes and stuff, they, they, have, they put gloves on. The, most of the times they're yellow, but for some reason she had some pink ones. And she used to like work in the garden and she used to go to the neighbors that had like gardens where they grew stuff, you know, 
I don't know what the correct name for it is in English. Uh, you know, it's like a, when I say garden, it's like a vegetable garden, you know, like a place where you plant things. So she used to work there and she'd gone to her friends to, I don't know, give them eggs or get eggs or something. And she'd been digging around in the garden and these pink gloves fit so snugly that they looked like an actual, you know, burnt skin. And both my brother and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, oh my God, thank God it's grandma. You know, we, we just thought it was like Freddy Krueger. Uh, but the thing that, that, that affected me was I was so aware in that moment. I was like, what the hell? You know, my brother was a little bit closer to, to the gate than I was. And he was frozen too. And I was frozen and I couldn't move. And I couldn't even move to go and help my brother to move. And I just thought, man, I, I never want to feel that again. I don't ever want to be so scared or so taken by surprise that I, I just can't react. And, um, you know, so, I, I mean, my father was already a third Dan in, in Shotokan Karate when I was born. So <clears throat> I started to, I'd, I'd already started to train a little bit when I was a kid, but then I started to train more and, you know, started to go hunting and stuff. And, and I also started observing my father's ability to instantly react to whatever danger or, or weird thing came up because I used to go hunting with him. And, you know, my dad's always had very good reflexes, as, as have I. And uh, just notice, huh, and, you know, that comes from what, how is he like that? You know, what does it come that he doesn't get scared? And he like, I started observing that and I realized, oh, it's because he's also done a lot of martial arts and he's a hunter and he's been in like dangerous situation and he's been. So I started doing, you know, martial arts and stuff. And then as I grew up, you know, I had like, I worked as a bodyguard and all sorts and, you know, did security work and so on. So, so I came across like some, uh, you know, ugly situations and whatever. And I never froze again. I've, I've never, since that day that I was seven, I've never frozen again. But again, you know, that was a sort of a conscious decision to, to become like that. So you can become whatever you focus on. You know, there's um I think I mentioned in the pickup artist nonsense thing, I, I sometimes I keep tabs on these guys. I, I, I look at, for a while I did, I haven't, I don't, I don't know what the pickup artist scene is or at all now. But there was a guy, there's a guy, he's an English guy, and I think he's probably still doing videos and stuff. And he calls himself Richard La Ruina. But he's a little, I, I kind of like the guy a bit more than, than the average pickup artist because he actually mentioned, you know, he, he had like a, a ball haircut, like buck teeth and whatever. And he, he looked like a nerd, you know. And he, he even put a picture of himself up and he said, look, this is who I used to be. And then I decided, no, I wanted to have a girlfriend. I wanted, I like girls. And, you know, so he remade himself. He even changed his name and whatever. And then he started p teaching pickup artist stuff, which is, you know, I don't, I've never agreed with the whole pickup artist thing. I've been a bit of a dog myself, but that's just, you know, when you don't know any better, then uh, after I got baptized and stuff, I realized, you know, like, well, before I got baptized, I realized it, but you know, there's, they, um, I don't know. I, I know it's, it's wrong, you know, to be with a lot of women and so on, but it's pretty normal in today's society that a guy is going to, try and go that way just because everything is so corrupt and everything is so broken that nobody knows any better and uh you know i don't think there's anything wrong in learning how to um, be with women i don't think there's anything wrong in learning how to uh you know be a man basically but you don't necessarily have to be with you know lots of women to do that i mean my my uh, first girlfriend, I was with her for like 13 years and I thought she was going to be the one, you know, and it never, I was never, uh, you know, whatever, sexually incompetent or whatever, because I'd been with this girl for a long time and, uh, you know, we were in a relationship for, for over a decade and I've never been one to, to lack for confidence. Not, it's not arrogance, you know, it's, uh, it's different. It's like, I know what I want, I know what I like. And every time I, I met a woman or whatever, I, and I liked her, I, I didn't beat around the bush. That was just, I'm not saying you have to be like me. I'm just saying, 
you know, if you, if you decide that you want to learn something or you want to do something or you want to get something, you know, if you decide that owning a Porsche is very important for you, well, work towards it and eventually you'll have a Porsche, you know. If you decide that being married and having a girlfriend is important to you, and you should because it is important. You know, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to have somebody to love. Ideally, you'd want to have a family and so on. And find the right girl, you know, find the right girl for you. Go and look for the right girl. Go and look for it in the right places. But remember, first it's about you. What have you got to offer? What number are you? What are you good at? Why should a woman want to be with you? You know, and what have you got to bring to the table? So think in those terms and act accordingly. You know, if you've got nothing to bring to the table, if you're kind of a fat, lazy guy that plays Warcraft, World of Warcraft all day and because daddy's got money or whatever, change. You know, go to the gym, stop playing video games, go do something else, go work in a field, go, go hire on as an apprentice to a, a welder's. Go do something a bit difficult, you know, and learn something. Learn something about yourself, who you are, what, what you can do, what you can't do. You know, you'll make mistakes and that's normal. Making mistakes is how you become experienced. You know, people say, oh, well, he's experienced. Yeah, well, what does experience mean? It means he fucked up a whole bunch of times until he learned how to not to fuck up and then he became good at it. You know, that's how we do anything. That's how you learn how to walk, yeah? You don't just suddenly wake up one day and said, right, I'm gonna walk now. Now you move around, you find out where your feet are, then you crawl, then you drag yourself, then you stumble, then you try and walk and you fall over and you do it thousands of times until you can walk. You know, what's the difference in anything? Nothing. It's just fear, you know, don't let ever fear stop you. So my three pieces of advice would be basically that. You know, what number are you? know what you want to work towards and, and do it and three fear fear is an illusion fear is always an illusion now i'm not telling you to like you know wear a blindfold and, and run naked across the highway just be, to show you're not afraid that's stupid but what i mean is there are legitimately dangerous things out there there are legitimately dangerous people there are dangerous parts of town there are dangerous activities you know if you're gonna be a miner, it's dangerous. If you're gonna be a cop, it's dangerous. There are dangers, but fear doesn't help you, you know. There are, you know, if you're gonna go out and you say you're a policeman and you have to go and arrest some guy that you know is dangerous, you know he's armed, there's a chance you might die, there's a chance you might get killed, or if you're a soldier, or, you know, or just uh, if you have to do something that's uh, difficult, like maybe you have to climb a mountain because I don't know you like climbing mountains or or you have to you know get into a examine something that's in a, in a difficult place to get to and it's dangerous but you plan you plan you think and if you don't have time to plan and you don't have time to think you don't panic try not to panic you know stay calm keep thinking keep observing fear doesn't help you whatever dangerous ugly situation happens being afraid doesn't make it better. So, and, and in many cases, your fear response is involuntary, right? You, you, it's not like you can say, oh, I'm gonna be afraid now. No, you, you get afraid. But the thing is, get afraid and, and go over it, you know? And that, you can train, you can train that. You can go in training. When you go to training and you know, ooh, it's, it's the Tuesday class, it's where they beat you up. Because you, you're going for the black belt and for a year they beat you up and the Tuesday class is the tough class and the Thursday class is the one where you all do the sparring and you get scared and, and you face it anyway 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 and eventually you're like, you know, fuck it. I, I know what it's about. I'm not that scared anymore. And even if they break my nose, okay, I got a broken nose, I'm still fighting. You know, I'm not, I'm not out. I'm not unconscious. I can still move. You know, so build that up, build yourself up. Um, okay, a bit random. I don't know if anything else pops up in my head. And if you've got questions or if there's something you want me to address, there are a couple of things that um, I wanted to address. There was a, one question was about women in fighting. And uh, that would be a pretty short video because women in fighting, as far as I'm concerned, you know, street fighting, if you're talking about effective fighting, not just, you know, training, because some people go training for, fitness reasons for health you know that's fine but if you 
want to train for effective fighting as a woman, it's very difficult and you have to cheat. You have to absolutely be willing to, to, to cheat. You know, there was um, a very good video that I saw on, uh, it's one of the CCTV cameras where this guy tries to rob a girl and he's like twice her size, grabs her bag and pulls it off her. And, um, or she has two bags, I can't remember, but it, or tries to grab her or something. And she starts whacking him first with the bag, kicks him in the balls, you know, does a couple of kicks, punches him. I think she kicks him in the nuts and he kind of falls to his knees. And then she does a backward spinning kick to his head, fucking lays him out, grabs a bag and runs off. And that's perfect. That's exactly how a woman should fight. It should be absolutely vicious, intense, don't let up and get the hell out of there as soon as you can. Because you know, you're physically weaker if you're a woman a lot weaker than a man. So your your best uh, your best bet is surprise, viciousness and get the hell out. You know, survive, scream, make noise, uh, you know, go for the vulnerable things and don't hesitate, which is not the natural way for a woman unless she's protecting her kids, right? So for a man, a man can get naturally to, to that state. And in things like karate, they train you or like you get hit hard, your instinct is you got to hit back harder. You know, that's that's what they train you to do. And it it can work, but it can also be bad because, you know, you're climbing on a bus, a little old lady like steps on your foot. And before you know it, bam, you know, you've hit a little old lady because you're used to reacting without thinking, you know, so no, that's not good. Um, and, you know, you have to be able to switch it on and switch it off 100% and zero, zero, 100% emotionally, physically, spiritually. So it's, it's that takes training. That only happens with training. So um, that's just a little snippet. But yeah, if there's questions about certain specific topics you'd like me to cover, put it in the comments. Um, give me a thumbs up. Give me a few likes. Share it so that the haters know where to go. Let the hate flow, you know. <laughs> So share any videos that you, you find interesting and let me know what you want me to talk about next and I'll, uh, I'll see if I can address some of those. That's it for today.